Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. It's the time of year when you're almost afraid to turn on the television. Campaign ads are coming at us with increasing frequency the closer we get to the election. Do you ever wonder who might be swayed by campaign ads? Do you wonder what it is about negative ads that make them work? You can be sure that if they didn't work, we would not have to endure them. And then there's the messages that pop up on your high school friend's social media feed. Do you ever feel the need to weigh in on those? Today we're talking about surviving the media onslaught during the elections. We'll hear more right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Advocates are urging the U.S. Supreme Court to uphold the Indian Child Welfare Act. The court will consider the constitutionality of the decades-old law, which is intended to keep Native children with Native families. Mark Richardson has more. Dozens of tribes and ACLU chapters have filed briefs urging the court to uphold ICWA. Teddy Simon with the Northern California branch of the ACLU says many tribes still consider the separation practices cultural genocide. Anything that, that was indigenous about them was scrubbed away and removed. The case was supported on appeal by conservative groups who claim ICWA gave tribal nations rights not provided to other racial minorities. Simon, who serves as an advocate for racial justice and is a member of the Navajo Nation, says many Native Americans believe that when possible, keeping a Native child in their indigenous culture is in everyone's best interest. All kinds of studies have been done showing that Native children have much better life outcomes across all of these indicators when they have the ability to be connected to their culture and their language and their heritage. Simon adds that many Native Americans believe the case isn't just about children's rights, but is also an attack on the power and authority of tribal nations to defend their gaming rights, restore tribal lands to reservations, and manage their water rights in the Colorado and other river basins. This has the potential to be the most important Supreme Court case relating to Native American people in our lifetimes. If the Supreme Court is to rule it unconstitutional, would have potentially devastating impacts on tribal sovereignty and the existence of Native nations. That was Mark Richardson reporting. Indigenous singer and songwriter Kelly Jackson of Wisconsin's Lac de Flambeau Band is using her music to raise awareness about violence against women. WXPR's Aaron Gottsacker has more. A warning, this story deals with sexual assault. Kelly Jackson wrote this song, Don't Speak, about a decade ago in response to a personal encounter with sexual violence. I'm a survivor. It was my way of like putting into, you know, into music what my own emotional recovery was. She started performing the song for audiences and quickly realized it resonated with a lot of people. People would, you know, come up to me and, you know, say, oh my gosh, you know, I'm a victim of, you know, sexual violence when I was in college. In hopes of opening up this conversation, Jackson recorded a music video for the song. It features a cast of real-life Indigenous survivors, from a military veteran to a college student to a wife and children. In the video, each woman stands alone as her world literally turns upside down. And we had, you know, these beautiful sets, and then the actual, the whole room itself literally tipped backwards 90 degrees. So everything falls. And it's like that point where chaos, where you just, you find yourself kind of all 
lost in this chaotic moment. And I think for me, watching that wall come back up and, you know, the, the women dusting themselves off and then, like, the power walk forward. They walk off stage alone, then reemerge together. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. The video is the centerpiece of a fundraising and awareness campaign to raise attention to violence against women. Jackson is calling the effort Impact Change. Proceeds will help her nonprofit assemble emergency care packages for victims of violence. She encourages people who want to support the cause to simply start a conversation. You're not alone. You are not. That was Aaron Gottsacker and I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by BNSF Railway, proudly supporting the nation's economy by moving the goods that feed, supply, and power communities across the country. More at bnsf.com slash tribal relations. Support by Ramona Farms, offering wholesome and delicious foods from our heirloom crops as our contribution to a better diet for the benefit of all people. We are honored to share our centuries-old farming and culinary traditions online at RamonaFarms.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. By now, you can probably recite the words to commercials, both for and against candidates running for office near you. The positive ads feature uplifting music, images, and video of the candidate as a decisive yet relatable figure. The negative ones make you question how a person so inept and destructive ever got this far. And those are just the TV ads. It gets much murkier when you add in social media where it seems anything goes. Does anybody believe this stuff? More to the point, how can anyone make an informed choice with so much information and misinformation coming at us every minute of every day? That's a question we'll take on today, and by the time the hour is over, you'll have some good information to keep in mind as you venture into the consumer end of campaign media. How do you wade into the news these days? How do you make informed election decisions? Join the discussion by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848. Joining us first from Missoula, Montana, is Jason Begay. He is an associate professor at the University of Montana School of Journalism. He is Navajo. Jason, welcome back to Native America Calling. Hi, good morning. Good morning to you as well, Jason. In the midterms, uh, two weeks away, we're almost there. Campaign ads are pretty much going 24-7. Do you think the ads this year are any more hostile or distrustful than in years past? Um, honestly, you know what? I've, I've been fortunate enough where I'm not consuming media enough to, I mean, uh, popular media like uh, TV. So I think it probably is more hostile, but the good news is it's a lot easier to avoid. Um, like for instance, I have, uh, the ad free version of Hulu. So I don't see most of, of any of that. 
Okay, so you definitely know how to filter some of this uh, election media content, but is there any any specific or alarming misinformation that you're seeing uh, in any of these formats, either through social media or some of these apps, specifically uh, related to the midterms there in Montana, or even nationally that that you're paying a spe- uh, you know that you're especially mindful of? Yeah, I think uh, nationally, especially uh, seeing people, uh, candidates especially, talk about like uh, the economy, the recession, gas prices, and trying to lay blame on that in a, a very uh, like 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 trying to find the easiest target for those things. Um, you know, like uh, the recession is, is is worldwide. It's not it's not like a, a, a U.S. thing. So there's no one person here that was responsible for it. Same thing with gas prices, right? I mean, it's a lot more complicated than saying. You know, the person in charge is, is responsible for these high gas prices. So misinformation like that, I think, is really easy to spread because it's really easy to believe. Like, it's hard to see the, 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 the more global system that, that's at play for those types of things. Yeah, it's certainly, you know, I always think of the economy as being kind of like a game of hot potato. And, and some years it's good and some years it's 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 not so good. And a lot of what makes for a good economy or inflation is uh, policies and different economic actions from years before. It could take years for that stuff to manifest itself. So some of the elected officials are just kind of stuck. It's like a cakewalk and they just happen to be there at that time. And it's either a good economy or a bad one. So, yeah, there's so much at play. And. Another thing, Jason, that we're we're hearing so much uh, in recent years is people are just so distrustful. They're distrustful of of candidates. They're distrustful of the whole election process. And and when they see some of these ads, some of these attack ads that are just overtly hostile towards certain candidates, or just really go out of their way to frame issues in a way that just really doesn't add up when when you look at them with a more critical lens. Uh, what do you respond? How do you how do you tell those folks? Hey, just just hang in there and have faith and have confidence in the U.S. political system. Uh, well, yeah, faith and confidence is one thing, but also, I mean, the thing about politics, I think everybody kind of understands, is that is that people who are trying to get get elected will say a lot of things um, to win favor, right? I mean, a lot, there's so much uh, promises, so many promises, so many words being shared. Uh, that that are shared just to get applause and just to get support. Um, so what I used to tell people is to, uh, you know, you, this is not a time to be lazy, right? It's not a time to wait for the message to come to you. Um, if you really want to participate in democracy, the democracy, then it takes some work, right? You have to uh, do some research. Um, you know, don't just read, you know, especially p- political ads and campaigns, but also. Uh, you know, like uh, any kind of criticism, um, you might have to do some background re- re- research on, on, on any candidate that you're iffy about. Um, democracy is a responsibility, right? Voting is a responsibility, and I think it uh, takes a lot more work on the part of the voter than we've been giving it lately. Now, let's talk about the news sources out there, the different outlets, what we refer to as the media and, and again, a lot of this political distrust, uh, it filters down to the news and, and people who are also distrustful of, of political processes. They're also, in many cases, distrustful of, of media. They're distrustful of the news. They're distrustful of what they see on television or what they see on social media. And uh, how big, you know, you know, how big is, is this issue here into the future? I mean, do you think that that overall news outlets are just seriously struggling with this trust issue? in the public? 
Um, it depends on who you read, right? I mean, I teach journalism, and uh, the biggest lessons that I have are that you have to kind of counter the the the, the cynicism of your readers before you, they, they even read your story. So you kind of have to see the questions they're going to have. You, can, you kind of have to predict when they're not going to believe something that, that, that you've written um, as, a, as a reporter. So, so being objective and uh, making sure that, that, that you, you get like voices from as many sides as you can, which is hard because these days a lot of people don't like to be interviewed or don't, don't, don't like to put their name on their quotes. So getting people on the record to talk about things is, is difficult. So it, it's a lot of work um, uh, in, in, in a field that doesn't pay that much money anymore. Um, so yeah, uh, the work is, uh, you know, it's, uh, surmountable, but it's hard. Well, and, and another angle here is there's just so much information out there. There are so many websites that report news. There are so many TV stations and apps and, and there's just so much media out there. And how do you prepare your students to sift through so many layers of information and information providers? I mean, it seems it's exhausting just for me as a consumer. Yeah, there's a couple of pretty simple rules that I tell students, especially when they're when they have like, you know, the internet has like millions of voices and they're they're screaming different things. Um, the best ways to filter through that are to see who's following you know, some of the basic ethics of journalism, right? And, and um, uh, among the first ones are like, how, how transparent is this news source and how accountable are they? Um, so is there a name at the top of the story telling you who, who, who wrote this piece? I mean, that's one of the first things that, that you see in, in all, the, all the big news sites is, is the byline, right? So everything that I've ever written says by Jason Begay up on top because that means that I did all the work and I stand by it. Um, if there's nobody that's putting putting their name on like a you know a thousand word story or a thousand word piece, then I would have serious questions about it. Um, also, just make sure um, who who the sources are. Um, like any any piece that 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 claims to have an anonymous source, um, especially if it's an, an anonymous source quoting a, an opinion, um, I think is pretty much just trash as far as I'm concerned. Um, Sources, we, like I said, we do a lot of work to find sources that will put their name behind what they're saying. Um, and it's pretty rare that news outlets will use an anonymous source, and they have pretty strict rules when they, when, when, when they do. Okay. All right. So that sounds like some really good basic information there. Look for the name. Look for a, a writer, a byline. Also be weary of anonymous sources. Now that's for written content. But what about folks that are, are watching the news and they're watching videos on YouTube and things like that? What are some tips for people that get their news in those formats? I would be very wary of any, any purported news uh, uh, outlet that is relying very heavily on opinion and um you know if they get very passionate and, and start yelling uh, that's definitely a red flag right uh, um journalists especially those who want to get the word out and and actually help the public and inform inform the public do a lot of work to remain um uh impartial um and because they because we know that um it's not for us to tell the readers what to think. We just give them all the information that, that we can find and let them make their own decisions, right? And so, um, the, the, therefore, that makes it a little bit easier for us to keep our emotions out of it. 
and on TV and videos, you see a lot of people just kind of screaming and getting red faced. Those, <laughs> those are definitely the red the red flags that I would watch out for. Okay, I, I think we all know the types of uh, influencers that you're describing that get overly emotional and really amped up. Um, and you mentioned this whole idea of like opinion news versus journalism. And I, I think one of the challenges as well, I'd like you to comment on is, is that's kind of a gray area because many, you know, not all of these channels have these like overly amped up people that are delivering the news. Some of them very much appear like standard journalism, but, but they are in a sense, opinion shows. And there's even been talk about like even having disclaimers on those shows, like you know, so people understand this is not journalism. This is opinion news. And any thoughts on that, Jason, how we can, again, because sometimes that, that, that line can be kind of gray between what is an opinion and what is journalism. Well, so opinion, I, like, I do find value in, in hearing other people's opinions, right? Like I, I have been swayed by it before. Like, like when, when people make it, make a really good, a, a good point, it makes me, makes me kind of think twice about it. Right. So I, I get, so there is value there. But if you're kind of walking into like a political arena, for instance, kind of blind, for instance, right? Then um, it, it it helps if you have at least a general understanding. So that's when the, the 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 news, like actual journalism, plays a stronger role because then you have the information. Um, and uh, I think, like I said, the the easiest way to make sure that you're getting like a straight news piece is that you have a you have sources that are cited, giving okay. you facts, um, okay. and uh, not so much just like opinions. Gotcha, gotcha. We're talking with Jason Begay. He is an associate professor at the University of Montana School of Journalism. Give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. We're talking campaign media today. Important items, including human remains, are still held in some private collections in this country. They're holdovers to a time when professional and amateur archaeologists gave little thought to plundering sacred sites. Can anything be done to recover those items? We'll find out more on the next Native America Calling. Local tribal museums are the experts of indigenous histories, cultures, and values with the tools to educate the public. On the first National Tribal Museums Day, on December 3rd, participating museums will offer no-cost admission, special exhibits, and live cultural demonstrations. Learn more at indian-affairs.org slash tribalmuseumsday. The Association on American Indian Affairs supports this program. Thanks for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Did you see the viral video of the crowd at the Philadelphia Eagles football game booing First Lady Jill Biden? Did you read about Colorado Representative Lauren Boebert shooting her neighbor's dog? And did you get the news that the CDC will soon make COVID-19 vaccinations mandatory for all school students? Sorry, those are all false items that you might have heard just in the last week. Today, we're working to give you some tools to recognize when information you come across doesn't sound quite right. You can join the discussion by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848. Joining us next is Angela Wilford. She is the Intergovernmental Relations Project Manager for the Salt River Pima Maricopa Indian Community. Angela, welcome to the show.
Oh, I think we might have not have might not have Angela on the line. I'm going to go can ahead you, and can you hear me now? I can hear you, Angela. Are you there? Hi. Great. Yes, I'm here. How's it going? <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, Angela, yeah, we are talking uh, campaign media. Any blatant election misinformation that you're following down there in Arizona? I'm from Arizona. We're following everything, <laughs> even though I mean, <laughs> information. We want to make sure we're getting accurate information to our community members. So we are following the news. We need to see what's being said so that we can curb it and make sure that we're giving accurate information to our community members. But right now we're just following, you know, there's some ballot uh, intimidation. So we're watching like the Dropbox ballot issues. Um, so there's a lot going on in Arizona that, I mean, we have a candidate running for governor who still thinks that the election was not, is, is false. So we're, again, we're watching everything making sure that we we provide accurate information now. Now you just touched on that you're you're working hard to to assist and to facilitate uh, this whole inform, flow of information there with your community and make sure that your community members have access to good information. Tell us more. I mean, how, how do you actually do that? How do you work to ensure that quality information or that your community members are are, are making that effort to get that quality news information? I mean, one thing is we're looking at people's voting records and what is their relationship with tribal communities? What are, um, I'm thinking, how are these individuals who are running for office, what is their knowledge about government to government relationship? Are they going to protect our sovereignty? Are they going to respect our tribal leaders and make sure that they meet with us instead of having their staff meet with us? Um, so those are some of the things that we, we provide to our community members. Just last night I met with um, I, we attended our tribal council district meeting, one of them, and we just went over the propositions with them. And we give facts. Um, we kind of stay out of the rhetoric. We just we're very we're nonpartisan. We don't tell individuals who to vote for. We just tell them like this is this is accurate. We had an individual who, um, you know, who wasn't wasn't in favor of something that was important to our community, and we let them know that. So we pretty much are just giving them information, and they are the ones that take that information, decipher it, and decide on what they want, what's best for their household. So that's pretty now much this, what we do. We're doing that. Go ahead. Uh, okay, yeah. So in this election we have coming up here in November, um, are, are you seeing any in, increased enthusiasm there in the community for the election? Unfortunately, I think... Uh, the distrust of the election. It, I knew that this was going to be an issue and, you know, the rhetoric, and I think we're dealing with Trumpism and fake news and individuals not understanding or trusting what is right. Where do I get my news? Do I get it from CNN? Do I get it from Fox? Do I get it from the news? Do I get it from Reddit? I mean, we have kids that are on Reddit, our youth, our young generation that are getting the news everywhere and they're inundated and from Instagram to um, TikTok. So they're seeing all this stuff and it's, it's is it accurate? I I don't know. Um, so, you know, I I don't I don't know. What was your question? I'm sorry. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, just tangent. it's just so challenging now, right? With like which you mentioned, I mean, so many sources out there, so many outlets, and uh, you know, and earlier we talked with Jason about you know some of these opinion style formats versus actual journalism formats and especially you mentioned these younger people and they, they've grown up now with social media so that's the, those are their main channels of communication um and this is the world that they've always lived in that's what they understand but 
um, you know, what do you, especially with the youth? I mean, you know, like like some of these kids that are just so dialed into to social media or like these these Reddit users that you have. I mean, how do you kind of help them? Because again, like you know, it sounds great, like these community sessions where people sit down and they talk with candidates and they go over these issues. But that doesn't sound quite as exciting as a really fired up Reddit con, or, 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 uh, you know, a Reddit thread or, or, or a YouTube video or something like that. So how do you? I mean, essentially sell people on like good quality news information that might not have a lot of flash behind it. I think for us, one thing we really had to get into the hearts of our community and let them know about the history of Native voting. And um, that's the only way we can give them as many tools as possible. I mean, they're getting inundated with tools of information and could be misinformation. I think our whole job is to make sure that they first understand the history for Native votes. In Arizona, Native Americans weren't able to vote until 1970. And so having them understand our ancestors could not vote, but they can, I think that gets to the heart of the heart of them. And they understand, like, wait, my grandparents couldn't vote? What? And then, so that's the first, uh, how we get to them. Second is we give them the information. I, I, I agree. I think no young adult or young individual over 18, between 18 and 30, want to go have sit down and hear the propositions. So we are, I mean, that's why we we campaign with SCO Vote Den this year, because Res Dogs is pretty um, famous in Indian country. And we knew, okay, let's see, how can we angle, let's do a campaign geared towards our youth. And, and it is funny when we say SCO Vote Den, and then they say it. <laughs> and so it, it, hearing them and I think it has to be a campaign thinking, okay, so what's important? Right now, the governor's race is important, and we had to help our youth and our our community understand the important role the governor plays for the state. I think after the pandemic, them understanding, all right, wait, what? How the governor had control over um, of masks or uh, vaccines. So that was something that we really are trying to stress upon to our community members. The governors play a huge part in Native communities with taxation, water rights, um, gaming rights, the negotiations with that. So those are some of the th- areas that we try to educate our community members on, whether it's youth, um, middle-aged, or uh, our seniors, is having them understand the whole heart of democracy. Mm-hmm. Let's go vote, Dan. I love it. Awesome. Let's go ahead and go to the phones now. We have Leyland listening on KUYI in Flagstaff, Arizona. Leyland, thank you for calling. You are on Native America Calling. Uh, Thank you. Uh, My comment is that it's all political. If you've ever seen that image on the Internet, um, there's two individuals. I've always seen it in a cartoon format, but they're both looking at the number six. And the individual on the right sees the number six. The individual on the left sees the number nine. And so that's the epitome, the definition of politics. We all have the same access to the same information, the same data, but it's our interpretation. It's our perspective. Uh, Gun rights, uh, reproductive rights, uh, public school spending, military spending. We all have access to the same information, but we have very different responses, interpretation of that data. And so we have very different, uh, well, the Democrats and the Republicans, different ideas of how we address these issues. And so it's almost like there is no right answer. It's just your opinion. And uh, both, uh, both parties think the other side is horribly wrong and that they're going to take this country uh, to hell in a handbasket. Okay. I, think the best thing, I think the best thing Natives should do is educate uh, our people about the issues. 
why do the Republicans take a hard stance on immigration? Why do they love their guns? Uh, explaining those uh, the reasons behind it. Uh, because we're going to vote again in two years. Also to teach our, our people that our economic system is capitalism and our political system is democracy. They go hand in hand, and uh, it comes into play every election, and it's politicians who set economic policy. And so right now you've got a lot of people blaming Biden on the, the price of gas and on inflation. Uh, and again, there are two different systems. And again, po- politicians influence okay. those systems. Leyland, Leyland, I'm sorry, we were just. Remember, I, I really appreciate this call, and you are absolutely right. It, it, so much of politics is opinion, and it's all about framing, right? Framing these messages. So I just want to ask you quickly here, because uh, we're talking about some of this misinformation, and when it when it crosses the line, and we get into this whole realm of fake news. So, at what point, Leyland, do you think we go from just a healthy debate? of different perspectives and framing issues to crossing the line into what we think of as just chaos in some of this hateful, hostile, uh, very distrustful media content that, that we see so often today? Um, we're probably already there on a national level. Uh, I watch a lot of politics TV, and uh, um, one of the pundits said that Republicans play to win. You know, he's inferring that they break the rules, they bend the rules to get their way, and the Democrats play by the rules. Well, I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of getting beat up in, in the media <laughs> as a Democrat. Uh, so we, we, again, if we understood, I think it'd be uh, the issues and what motivates each party. It'd be easy to tell who's lying. And, yes, you should look at the source of your uh, whatever news article you're looking at, and it'd be easy to tell if they're right-leaning or left-leaning. Okay, Leyland, thank you for that call. Again, that was Leyland, Flagstaff, Arizona, listening on KUYI. And Angela, you know, Leyland makes some really good points, and, and this stuff is complicated. It's not just as easy as just picking a side sometimes and running with it to, to really go through the different layers and to understand these perspectives. And, you know, I think some of it, too, it's just it takes a lot of time and effort to become really well-informed. And, and, you know, Jason earlier was talking about just going through all these different steps to to ensure the accuracy of information. Not everybody has the time to do that. Not everybody has the energy or resources to really dive in headfirst. So what what are your thoughts on that, Angela, in terms of what can people do that maybe they don't have two hours a day to devote to getting the best quality information? Maybe they only have 10 minutes. How can they get well-informed in a short period of time? You know, I think one thing that I, I, I summons all tribal leaders to do, tribal leaders across the United States need to have, a, a, I mean, have an individual or something that's priority or their principles to their community, decipher the news and give it out to the community. Is that realistic? No. But I think for them to to really look at and talk to their tribal leaders and see, hey, what are some of our issues? I think it, it's easy to put a blanket over something and say that, that this is going to be fixed and this is how you can get the news. I mean, if you, depending on how thick you want to get into the weeds for it, for an individual. I mean, I think Leyland said it, it's accurate. I mean, we have so many differences between gun rights and uh, women's rights. We're a country that's currently divided, and it has to, and it does have to do with our media. Our media. I mean, there was just um, a. During football, I mean, I love football, and so there was a commercial. And if I wasn't, if I was leaning that way, I would. That was a great commercial. I'm like, wow, that makes you want to vote against whoever that individual is. Um, so I think 
you know, I think it's a, a we are in a tough time of where to get your accurate news. Yeah, we, we certainly, certainly are. And, and let's go ahead and bring another voice into the conversation now. In fact, we're going to go back up to Montana. This time we're going to go to Billings, Montana, where we have Adrian Jawert. She is a transgender, two-spirit journalist, fiction writer, fact checker, and research and political director for Indigenous Transilience in Montana. She's Northern Cheyenne. Adrian, welcome back to the show. Hello. Adrian, so again, uh, a key focus of our show today is this whole idea of what we refer to as media literacy. Uh, what does that mean to you? Um, let's see. For me, myself, uh, since being a journalist, um, there's something uh, an old editor told me. He said, he said, the old journalism saw is when I was like a young journalist, a baby journalist many years ago. Um, if your own mother says she loves you, fact check it three times. So, <laughs> as crude as that sounds, it's like it's always stuck in my head. So that's kind of like how I'm very, very skeptical of everything. But at the same time, it's like if you want to do um, um, as far as uh, news sources and stuff, um, Associated Press is usually pretty good for basic, you know, straightforward information. Um, yeah. I love it. Mother says she loves you. You better fact check it three times. Gee whiz. Adrian, you know, this is such a, a, a big midterm coming up and, and there's a lot at stake for Native voters in, throughout Native America, West Coast, Midwest, all over. What do you see as some of the primary issues facing Native voters this election cycle that we really need to be paying attention to right now? Um, I'm with the I'm really um, empathize with the people down in Arizona, and um, I, right there is ground zero for uh, what do you call it? Um, people like election denialism. It's like you have an election denier that's going to possibly win the governor's seat and possibly secretary of state, and you get all these people. Can you imagine, like last time, if uh, these people, these secretaries of state refuse to certify the election. And you get a whole bunch of these people like lined up on all aspects of government. And it's just like gearing towards whatever totalitarianism. And um, it'll be a whole, it'll be a mess, constitutional crisis. So uh, yeah, and I mean, I'm just like, to me, that's like the most immediate concern of a um, information or whatever is just that right now. And it's like a tough one to combat because um, it's like right now the narrative is like, well, what about January 6th? And the other side, they've got all their talking points to just shift from one to the other. Oh, it was Antifa and BLM. Well, what about them? What about ism? So um, mm -hmm. it's always that what about ism responses. So uh, to be a good, whatever, discerning person, it's like learn all the logical policies, I guess. So, Adrian, you know, these, these buzzwords we're also familiar with here in 2022, fake news, election deniers, constitutional crisis. Is there any way that this could just be kind of a phase that we are going through as a country and kind of growing pains with social media and all this? And it, it'll, it'll just all kind of even out here in the future and it'll, things will kind of go some, somehow, some way kind of back to what we think of as more normal. Or is this just the future? Is this just really what, what the world is now? We're just gonna continue to see these types of campaigns and this type of rhetoric from here on out. Um, 
Yeah, it's a steady buildup of it until like with the rise of the Tea Party and then the alt-right and then Trumpism. And Trumpism really like just made people completely distrustful of news where people, even like politicians, they're just like in their own little bubbles. They never hear a contrasting thought ever. And they just, you know, dismiss everything, even like the Associated Press. So they, it's like I was in an argument the other day. I was like, well, people like were arrested for seditious conspiracy. Um, like, no, they weren't. It was just trespassing. I was like, no, look at 11 Oath Keepers arrested, and they didn't even know that, and they considered themselves a political person. So because they're so locked into their um, little bubble anyway. But um, as far as okay, just the way of the – okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, Andrew. I'm sorry, we're going to have to take a break, but I do want to chat with you more. And um, really interesting conversation today. We've got some great guests, and we are talking about – media campaigns, campaign media, and just some of the information. How do you get good information in the digital age? There's so much out there. How do you wade through it? We're learning tips, strategies for making good, well-informed decisions. We'll be right back. Did you know more than 51,000 Native and Indigenous people are living with epilepsy in the United States? Epilepsy is a neurological disorder that causes recurring, sudden, unprovoked surges of abnormal electrical activity in the brain. Call 1-800-332-1000 to get information and resources. Help someone you know by learning seizure first aid at epilepsy.com slash first aid. The Epilepsy Foundation supports this show. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about the importance of being a skeptical consumer of news, especially now at election time. Add to the conversation at 1-800-996-2848, 1-800-996-2848. We're speaking with Adrian Jawert, a political director for Indigenous Transilience in Montana. Adrian, before we went to break, you, you touched on this whole idea of people just having so much trouble with regard to hearing different opinions. and. Uh, again, at the heart of this whole discussion today on media literacy and campaign media is this whole idea of, you know, how do we learn to disagree amicably? How do we learn to have healthy debates where it's okay to disagree without taking it to such an extreme level? People become so hostile. There's the hatred and, and, and just the animosity. How do we learn to just go back to having civilized debates? What's your thought on that, Adrian? Um. Yeah, I mean, me being a transgender person in a red state, it's kind of like that's kind of a tricky question for me to answer, just because I'm I have like this huge political target on my back, so it's like everything's hostile at me. I'm just like a, um, um, yeah, a big target. Um, but I, I just kind of want to go back on something. There was like this uh, reporter from the University of Montana, anyway. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she's just like a young reporter anyway, and she got like some other right-wing news outlet. She was just like, um, but she attacked her. Oh, this is fake news. This is fake news. And then they just wrote their own opinion type piece. This is why it's fake news. And she just responded to that piece. It's like a point-by-point breakdown of this is my – she was like really transparent of how she did this story that was getting called – um, fake news by right wingers, and it just kind of really shut them up. And I think that's um, something that reporters have to like be more active about. Is this 
their transparency or be not afraid to realize if they want to be taken seriously that, um, yeah, I mean, reporters used to, I mean, and generally they're like, oh, we have to be above the fray of online stuff. And you don't want to respond to every single troll or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, um, yeah, there has to be pushback within journalists themselves of not mm-hmm. being afraid to get into the rolling the mud a little bit anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that comment. Yeah, you know, have to roll up your sleeves. It's it's it's, it's a new world. It's a new world in, in the way this information is out there. That, that really really interesting insight there, Adrian. Folks, still time to get in on this conversation. One eight hundred nine nine six two eight four eight. That is our number to share your comments. If you have any questions today, again, we are talking about campaign media, media literacy. Good discussion. Let's go back down to Arizona now. This time, Tucson, we have Dr. Torivio Fodder. He is the Indigenous Governance Program Manager at the Native Nations Institute, which is a research institute at University of Arizona's Udall Center for Studies in Public Policy. He is Taos Pueblo. Tori, welcome to Native America Calling. Sean, thanks for having me. Glad to be on. Well, Tori, tell us, uh, what election misinformation have you seen circulate recently that especially concerns you? Yeah, well, I've, I've kind of been focusing on, on two things in my uh, you know, kind of research and just you know, trying to be a good citizen. Um, I, I think the first is the influence of social media on, on election outcomes. And we've talked to, you know, other guests have talked about this, but... <laughs> If I had a, if I had a warning for listeners, don't don't get your news from social media. Don't. <laughs> it, it's easy to get uh, passionate when you see a, a post, um, but you know the origins of, of the links and the memes and whatnot. Uh, you know, there's no way to know for sure whether those are actually true or not. Um, so I'm I'm really curious. I mean, I think we we saw the influence of social media on. Um, at least the past two elections that that have kind of cycled through, and it's uh, it's it's highly problematic when you know Joe um, Joe consumer of media is trying to you know sort through you know what's what's fact versus fiction. Um, so I'm really I'm really concerned about that just just in mm-hmm. in general about social media. And the the second thing, you know, it's it's talk about voter fraud, and and that's actually really not a good term or way to phrase the issue. Um, really what we're talking about is voter irregularities. Um, and and I'm, that's not really just a rhetorical you know, flourish. Um, voter fraud, you know, specifically refers to when individuals go to the ballot box and cast um, their vote knowing that they're ineligible to participate in the election for, for whatever reason. Um, Voter irregularities are these other things that get encompassed in allegations of ballot stuffing, um, you know, talk about ballot meals and things like that. Um, and I think in general, I'm, I'm very curious about that aspect because um, what we see is really the, the foundations of our democracy you know, depend upon our you know, faith and the ability to elect the people that we want to represent us. Um, so I think I think this whole narrative around you know, you know broadly termed, albeit maybe incorrectly, voter fraud is is something that's really concerning to me. Mm-hmm. And specifically, voter irregularities with regard to to the native vote. Um, 
because again, voter regulators, they come in many shapes and sizes, Tori. So what do you, what do you think is native people, our voters need to be especially mindful of going to the polls here in November? Yeah, I mean, one one area I think we're, you know, we've got we've got a lot to be concerned about for, for native voters is simply access to the ballot box. Um, I I was, you know, kind of you know thinking about this, you know, a few weeks ago, but I think there's something like nineteen states now that have passed more restrictive voting laws to actually limit access to, to the vote. And some of those restrictions affect mail-in ballots. Some of them um, uh, restrict uh, opportunities for same-day voting. Um, the, the biggest thing I can encourage Native voters to do is understand, understand what the laws and rules are for voting. And I, I know that's a tough lift. You know, people are busy. You know, we've got inflation and a number of other issues that are at stake in the election. Um, you know, people people got concerns. They've got other stuff to do. But but taking the time to know what exactly you need to do to be able to vote, I think, is mission critical for for this election and the opportunity for Native voices to be heard. Um, so obviously, you know, the, these more restrictive laws are are intended to limit access to to the ballot. So, I mean, in terms of, you know, concerns, I, I think that's got to be at the forefront of the minds of Native voters. Mm-hmm. Well, Tori, other than just not getting your news from social media, as you suggested earlier, any other tips or suggestions for our listeners for how to make good informed decisions with regard to the media that they consume? Yeah, I, I, I encourage my family and you know, folks in my tribes. Um, I'm also Comanche, Kiowa, and Cherokee. I grew up in Oklahoma, so it's a it's a big deal to me. Uh, and you know, I think, like a lot of Native families, you know, we have a number of veterans in our in our family tree, and um, it's so important to participate. But the thing I encourage people to do most is really kind of think about news and information in kind of three steps. Um, the first is to try to find as neutral a media outlet as you can. I think the last guest uh, you know, mentioned the Associated Press, and I agree. I think that's a really good place to start. Um, trying, trying to just find out what the facts, what's going on. And that's, you know, there's some mistrust. I know there were other callers that you know, kind of alluded to that. But it, finding, you know, in general, the AP doesn't have a, an agenda. I think in general, their, their news stories are really almost just bare bones facts and you know, they get criticized sometimes for that, just just re- reporting what happened. But I would go there. Um, the second thing I would encourage people to do is, you know, you're inclined. You know, we all are to want to listen to, you know, things that reinforce our own opinion. And that's, that's fine. It's fine to get, you know, if you're left-leaning to go to CNN or if you're right-leaning to go to Fox. But don't stop there. I think the last part of this, you know, bit of encouragement I give people is, you know, make sure that you entertain the perspective of people that are very different from you. And it doesn't mean you have to agree. It, you, you may hate everything you hear, but you know, at least be willing to give ear to the other side mm-hmm. um, and, and entertain a, a perspective that's different. That's that's what it means to be an informed citizen. And frankly, I think that's where you know a lot of our political discourse has really gone down, you know, into the muck because people aren't willing to do that now. Um, right. So those are kind of three things I'd encourage folks to do. Okay. 
Yeah, those are really good tips. Appreciate that. So, so find some type of a neutral source, and, uh, and you know, it's okay to listen to your own opinion, but also entertain other perspectives. There's certainly value in that. And um, Torivio, earlier we had a caller who, who suggested that politics is all opinion. And another thing I think we can also consider is that a lot of this is also entertainment and, and you mentioned you know social media don't get your news from social media and the reason social media is so alluring is because it is entertainment it's it's fun it's engaging and people just just want to read that stuff or watch those videos and you know an ap article or you know some of these other media sources that yes they are more neutral and they are more credible but they don't necessarily bring that entertainment wow factor which which everybody is craving in spades these days so um how can we condition ourselves to just be more mindful of of quality news information even if it's not super entertaining even if it's not the latest cool youtube video but it, it, but it, but it's it's better information. How do how do we work in our communities to to encourage people to to seek out those sources? Yeah, no, I think I think part of it is knowing what's at stake in, in elections. If you have your eye on, you know, why are we actually going to the polls? You know, what 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 are these elections all about? I think if people keep their eye on, you know, the issues that are important to them, then you tend to be more inclined to take things seriously because when you go to vote, I mean, you're thinking about your kids, you're thinking about your family, you're thinking about your elders and, and your community. And so when you keep the issues in mind that are at stake in the elections, depending upon you know, who you vote for, and I'm not, yeah, I don't have a horse in the race at all. I can say myself <laughs> independent or, or moderate um, in, in general. I mean, you know, think, think about those things that are important to you and, when you go to the polls and you know, before you go to the polls, you know, seek out information that you know, will give you the best perspective because it's not just about entertainment. And when we think about our families and our culture and traditions, um, you know, those aren't things we play around with as Native peoples. Um, those are things that we take very seriously. And so keeping those things in mind as you make decisions about the, the news and information you consume um, it puts a more serious uh, lens on it than just you know, scrolling through Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Well, another tip, uh, just looking at a website now, fact-checking, media literacy, checking bios, looking at bios behind videos and as well as articles that are written. Be wary of screenshots and, and find the original source if it exists because people can just do all kinds of crazy things using Adobe Photoshop and, and just make all types of images that are, are completely fake, but can appear very convincing as well. And let's go back to Angela now, uh, Angela Wilford, and she is uh, Intergovernmental Relations Project Manager for Salt River, Pima, Maricopa Indian Community. And, and uh, Angela, we're winding the show down, but I just want to give you some time to talk. And Going into the polls here, two weeks away, what do you want our, our native voters and our native media consumers to really understand um, going into the polls and, and just going forward with all of these topics related to campaign media and misinformation and distrust going forward? What do you want people to understand more than anything else today? I want our people to understand that sovereignty and democracy is at stake. So for them to make sure that they show up at the polls on election day. Last year, there was 130 
voting bills introduced to the state legislature in the state of Arizona. And now there's two bills, our propositions on the ballot now that we w weren't wanting our community members to vote no on. So I think just understanding, I mean, I, I agree, we need to monitor what we're in intercepting for news and, and educate ourselves on the important issues of voting. Um, I don't think individuals, if, if voting wasn't as important, there wouldn't make it so difficult and they wouldn't be introducing bills, bills after bills to limit native communities to register to vote and to vote. So I think those are my lasting words that I would like just to encourage Native people is to play a part in democracy. And I know people, young people always tell me, well, I'm not into politics. And I always laugh at them. I said, well, that's pretty funny because politics is into you. I mean, they're, they're over <laughs> your gas prices. Um, you vape. They have regulations on that. You know, I try to make it relatable. But that's something that I, I wish and I hope that our people understand. Our ancestors couldn't vote, but we can. So let's vote on November 8th. For the Arizona in Arizona, if voting wasn't important, they wouldn't make it. People wouldn't work so hard <laughs> to restrict others from voting. Really, really good point, Angela. Uh, let's go back to Adrian now. Adrian, I'm going to give you the last word. We have about a minute, and I'm thinking of a listener. Maybe some listeners right now are thinking, "Oh, I'm not even going to bother this year. I'm not even going to vote." What do you want to tell that person? We've got about a minute before we have to wrap up, Adrian. Oh, I'm just going to reiterate exactly what um, the Arizona person sorry i forget a name but um yeah it's just like basically exactly what they're doing is in montana is passing all these anti-voting bills and they're all directly targeted at native americans it's always the native americans that are always the plaintiffs against these voting bills and exactly what she said was um yeah um if your voice wasn't important they wouldn't try so hard to silence it so um yeah, and being in a red state, they see that the reservations in the middle of these rural counties, they're the blue spots. So they're trying to make it as hard as possible for us to vote. So <laughs> travel hundreds of miles just to vote and everything. That's what they want you to do. They want to discourage you. So, um, yeah, so definitely, um, um, yeah, know that they're trying to silence you, and it's a form of a um, decolonization, but um, <laughs> I guess. Okay against the system so well folks that is all the time we have for today's show i want to thank all of our guests jason begay angela wilford adrian jawert and tori fodder for guiding us with tips and resources to help navigate the complicated and dubious world of campaign media we're back live again tomorrow talking about repatriating items and private collections i'm sean spruce please stay well informed this Native American Heritage Month, remember one in three Native American adults have high blood pressure. Check it at your nearest community health center. If the numbers are above 120 over 80, talk to a healthcare professional. Native community well-being is very important. You can take action by visiting heart.org slash hbpcontrol. This support provided in partnership with HHS slash OMH and HRSA under cooperative agreements CPIMP 2112-27 and CPIMP 2112-28. Yate, domestic violence is not traditional. Contact your local Indian health care provider 1-800-318-2596 or visit healthcare.gov 
forward slash SEP-LIST forward slash pound sign domestic abuse to learn about special enrollment periods available for survivors of domestic abuse, violence, or spousal abandonment. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.